Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. A few people that actually were on a missions trip, and um, I'd like to actually get some of these, um, these ones down. I feel like they've got something really wonderful to share and to uh, just give their testimony and let them just share their heart. And I just want you guys just to, you know, just have that listening ear, just inside your spirit, just be open and just be listening to what God is doing. Because, amen, God is so big that, you know, you could be in Barry, right? And you can have people that are touched by God and then God uses somebody in Barry and sends them all the way out to some place in Brazil And then there's a group of people over in Brazil that are needing God to have something impact in their life. And these people from Barry are able to come down and have um, uh, just this fusion where God just works through people and he starts moving inside of people's lives. And so I just want to call the maybe just one. I don't know if we do one at a time or if everybody wants to come down at the same time. It's up to you. Whatever makes you guys more comfortable. I mean, if you want to do one, if you want to do all... All right, here they come. Yeah. And let's think about this, guys. These are people that took time out of their life. You might be looking at it and going like, oh, yeah, these are, you know, just some young, fire, fiery people. You know what I mean? It's like they could be going out and doing so many other things with their life. They could be, you know, just going out and having fun with all of their friends, going to the movies, doing whatever it is that they are enjoying in their life. But instead, they went on a missions trip. And just like each one of us, we've got all, we all have things in our lives. But they took time out of their life to be able to go and bless somebody else's life. So let's just, um, let's just give them a round of applause first off. Like, I mean, they're, they're coming back. And then let's just hear what they, what they have to say. All right. Well, I'm just going to tell a few of my favorite stories. So the first time we went there, I was obviously terrified to start praying for people. But, yeah, because by the time we got up there, there was about 1,400 people in the crowd. And then, so, yeah, I just, first off, I prayed for peace, so I felt better. But then probably within the first two days, the first, like, 10 people I prayed for got healed. So that made me more confident in God. But then... Some of the coolest healings that I found were, so there's one guy, he saw, he was like a catcher, but then he saw that quite a few people that I prayed for ended up getting healed, so he asked for healing of his ankle. Uh, He broke it twice within his life, and it just, it didn't heal properly, and it was all messed up. So every time he would move it, it would click, and it was like, it hurt a lot. So I started praying, and then he said the pain went away, but he still couldn't really move it, and it would click. Like, it was loud. I could hear it. Uh, But then I prayed again, and I felt it shift back into place, and he was, like, jumping on it, and it was really cool. Uh, Um, Another one, this lady had nerve damage in her hands, and she couldn't feel anything. Uh, so I started praying, and then she said she felt like fire and tingling, 
and then she could feel her fingertips. And so I kept praying, and by the end, she could feel her whole hands, and she was just, like, really touched by the Holy Spirit. So, one of the days we were praying, we went to the main church we were at. We were there, like, most of the days. So, we went up there, and we stood there, and like this, and people came up and asked for prayer. So, that day, like, after a bit, I was very confused on what we were doing, because the day before that, like, when I prayed for people, like, I think one person out of, like, I don't know, a lot of people one of a lot of people only got healed, and I thought that that was my wrong way of praying, so I put that on myself. But then the next day, when we went back to the main church, when the people I prayed for, I just said, like, well, I can't do this. This is God doing it, not me. And I just laid that down. And then everyone that I prayed for ended up, like, getting healed or getting, like, something out of it, which was really amazing. And then this other guy, so he had a surgery for his right ankle and ended up getting metal in it, like metal placed in it, and it caused him a lot of pain and he couldn't move it properly. So we were praying for it and he said he felt like fire go up from his ankle all the way up his leg. And then after like a few times praying for it, he said that he could move it and there was no pain anywhere throughout his ankle. He was just fine, like perfect. Um, yeah, I'll give some testimonies too. Just they give hope and they just um, bring faith. So um, yeah, I have a testimony actually. Uh, yeah, so I have been like partially deaf my right ear for about two and a half years now, and I just kind of got to the point where I felt like it wasn't gonna get healed because I got in prayer for it so many times. But at this, or I think it was at the second day. Um, someone got a word of knowledge for it, and it was very specific. It, I was like, oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> and I didn't go up, though, because I was busy praying with other people. But then the next day, they called us up. Uh, well, they called anyone up, including our team, um, to repent at the altar. And so I went up, and a few minutes after I was done, someone came up behind me, and they put their hands first on my shoulders, just praying for me, and then they put their hands on my ears, and then all of a sudden, I could feel myself get healed. And I could hear it perfectly. And I turned my head uh, to the side looking over somewhere, and I could hear the music blasting in my ear. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think some more testimonies. Um, I prayed for a woman who had constant bleeding, kind of like the woman in the Bible. Um, and she said she had a lot of pain, and she said she felt that she had cancer, actually. So I prayed with her a few times, and um, all the pain went away after some praying. She said, so she got uh, completely delivered of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me think. Um, I prayed with another woman who had a heart condition. I don't know what it was called because my translator didn't know how to translate it into English, which makes sense. 
Um, but apparently, on a scale of one to 10, she said the pain was probably an eight or nine. And so I prayed with her probably about four times. And so I prayed with her the first time, not much. Second time, a little bit better. So we just kept going and going. And my translator was praying with me as well. I told her if she wanted to add anything into the prayer, go for it. Um, and yeah, eventually she got completely healed all the way down to a zero. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you want more testimonies, you can come up to me after, but this could go on a while. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm going to share a testimony for someone we met as we went to several different churches throughout the weeks. And it was this girl who came up for a prayer. She had a muscle disease, and um, she could speak English, so we didn't need a translator. And so I prayed for her two times at the start, and nothing happened. And I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to say to her? And he said, um, emptiness in her heart. And so I just started praying over that. And like, we ended up praying for just her to be filled with the Father's love and the love of a father in her life. And then we prayed for depression and anxiety to go. And then after that, she says, I feel so much lighter. So then we prayed for the muscle pain, and she kept getting better and better and better. And it really showed me that sometimes you just need prayer for your heart before you can get prayer for your body. So that was really amazing. Um, and then another really cool testimony was at the start of the week, when we first got there, we were doing words of knowledge. And so I went up and I shared a word of knowledge for fogginess in the right eye. And about five people came up and we all prayed for them and they all got healed. Uh, two two of them were girls and they were instantaneously like healed and then the others were 80% or better and then one was for he came up for his son prayer for his son his son's in New York and got injured at college so we just prayed for that and so we're believing in that healing so that was really amazing to see um, something else that was really cool in Brazil is the people's faith there like they have such expectancy that you could pray for them to like walk perfectly normal after like 10 years of injury and they'll be like oh this is great and they'll walk away like they got healed but they were totally expecting it you don't see them like jumping up and down for joy they're like oh yeah i knew i was gonna get healed so i got healed and that's that so the faith they have there is really insane to see and it was such a blessing to just go there and like learn lots and bring back this fire and testimony to share with everyone else so yeah. That's so good. So I'm gonna just, you know, try to feel out what I'm thinking some people might be um, wondering in the back of their brains or maybe questions they might have. So just first off, did you guys pray for lots and lots of sick people before you went on this trip? No, no? But we saw lots of healings, right? Because you guys shared about that. So what are, what are some things that you stood on when you went on this trip? Things that you believed God for when you were like praying for people? What are some things that maybe God was stirring up inside of you? Because I'm pretty sure everybody here would probably be a little bit curious as to some of the things that the Holy Spirit is pressing on your hearts, right? So does anybody want to share? couple yeah okay um one of the things i feel god put on all of our hearts while we were there was this boldness 
um, this boldness to go pray for anyone. But it, w it was a little helpful in Brazil because none of them spoke English and you knew you'd probably never see them again. <laughs> so you could go pray for them and if they thought you were super strange, you know, <laughs> you saw them once. But he really put a boldness on our hearts. Um, and what was really helpful there was they, um, they shared with us like a five-step prayer model the first night and they just kind of educated us before we went out. Do you mind if I share that five? Okay. So um, the five-step prayer model, the first part was the interview. So like if people came up to you for healing, you'd just ask them what they needed healing for, you know, um, how long they've had it, just the basics and the pain level on a scale of one to 10 and see, ask them something they couldn't do, couldn't do. And then after you pray, see if they could do it again. And then you would determine what prayer you would do so it was like the post-interview, so you'd ask them if it was a spiritual event, like something emotional happened and then this pain come on, or it was physical, so you could determine if it was like emotionally a problem that caused a physical pain, or a spirit of affliction, or like if it was just a physical pain. Um, and then it was to pray for them, have them tested out, and then you'd do a post-interview where you'd ask them, you know, can you bend your elbow, can you like move your knee, um, how's the pain scale and then like pray for them again for another minute and then the final one was to let them I think leave feeling loved so like um, Tom Jones said something really powerful he was one of the speakers he's like I prayed for a woman for cancer and she didn't get healed and he didn't know why and for like the next couple weeks he didn't think God could heal and then he was driving and he burnt coffee on his hand and the Lord said, pray for your hand and it'll be healed. So after a little bit of a debate with the Lord, he prayed for his hand and it was like instantly healed. And the Lord said, trust in my timing. I know who to heal and like what to do. So it was, it was really powerful for some of us who've like prayed for people and they haven't got healed to just be like, okay, if they don't get healed, at least let them leave feeling loved feeling loved by the Lord, and maybe that's going to impact them in some other way in the future. So that was pretty helpful and cool. Anyone else? You just, you look like you were ready to share something then. No, okay. All right. Um, so I got another question for you guys. So you mentioned about being, like, you know, with being in Brazil, you mentioned about, like, people, they were just really open and just like ready to like receive. Um, so do you feel like that is something only exclusive to Brazil? Or, you know, what, what do you think is the difference between Brazil and here, um, just in that regard? And then the other question that I'd have to kind of go along with that is, um, what, what are the things that you might have seen over there that we could do here differently so that we can start receiving um, healing as well too? So like, you know, let's say in Brazil, you said, you know, they just really received the message. This is just a, just a, a, just a fictitious example, but let's just say, you know, they received the message and, you know, the message was, was just simplified. You know, they didn't have a lot of exposure to like all of the church, like of North America. And so, you know, they could just receive it for the first time. And then it was just, it was, it was really easy for them to, to digest that. And then boom, they got their healing because God was just showing them up. Uh, are showing up there or you know maybe there's you know maybe people they were at the hospital and you know their hospitals aren't as good so maybe God uses you know God's you know more powerful there like, just what are your thoughts on 
what kinds of expectations those people in Brazil had? You know, why do you feel like in Brazil there was that openness? And then what kinds of things do you think we could learn from that, like over here when we're receiving our healing? It's a long-winded one. I, I think I, I tried. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. For the first part, for their faith, well, we went to Meringue, so that was like about 10-hour drive from Sao Paulo. But in Meringue, they had churches everywhere. Essentially, everyone knew about Jesus or heard about Jesus. So that was really helpful in the beginning. Um, but I also think the atmosphere is very different than North America. Like, they're definitely more community-based. Like, here in North America, it's all about your independence and, you know, you go out in the world on your own and you make it on your own. There, they're more like communal based and more family based, and so you can really impart more. Um, and then for their faith expectancy, something that just the Randy Clark team did was they'd give words of knowledge, and then people would be healed during them saying the words of knowledge before any prayer. So, like, I could give a word of knowledge for an injured knee, and then anyone with an injured knee stand up, and then you know. Wave, wave one hand if you're 50% healed, both hands if you're 100, like 80 or more percent healed before any prayer would begin because they just have that faith in the world, word of knowledge from God and then they'd be healed like that. So that was really cool to see that they just had a system where it's like, we're just going to say something and then if you feel the Lord says that's for you, stand up and receive it before we even pray. So they had a lot of trust in words of knowledge before any prayer would go out. And then they would just do an overall prayer, more healing would happen, and then individual prayer for the person. So I honestly think it's just, they, they really like to step out in their faith. So that's something we could all do, is just go out and step out into it. Like, if, if you feel the Lord saying something to you, stand up and receive it. Don't wait to get that individual prayer. Be like, that is mine. The Lord's calling that specifically for me. I want that. I need that from the Lord. And he will give it to you because he has it ready for you. So don't feel you have to get prayed by the pastor or by like someone who's well anointed in the, in, the, in the Lord. You can just be healed by his presence and by his love, right? And expect healing from anywhere and anyone. Like, don't limit yourself to not being able to heal. Don't limit yourself to anything. I feel they don't put a lot of boundaries on themselves there. They don't say, well, I'm not a pastor, so I can't preach the gospel. Well, you know, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a minister. I'm not any of these things. I feel like in North America, we put a lot of labels on ourselves, and to a degree that stops us from working with God. In Brazil, they don't really do that, especially with the Randy Clark team. They discourage that. So that's, that's a key thing is... Expect it from anywhere. Go for it anywhere. You could receive healing from yourself, like Tom Jones did, right? You don't have to get it from this specific person. You don't have to get it from this higher up, you know, someone who's been with the Lord for 20 years. You could get it from a five-year-old who says, I want to pray for your knee, and you could be healed. So don't limit God, essentially. You know, I know that's, like, kind of an obvious one, but I think we do that subconsciously here is we're like, okay, well, he can only do it in the church, or 
he can't go out on the streets and heal people because the people don't care. They, they've never heard of Jesus, so why would they be healed by him, right? So I, I feel a big thing is don't limit yourself. Expect it from anywhere, and then claim it, right? Own that healing. And the enemy, I've learned this from, like, um, retroactive. Do you mind? You want, actually, you share the story about the enemy trying to take your healing away. Um, yeah, so after I had gotten healed, I knew I was healed. But then the next day, the enemy tried to convince me otherwise. And so it, it popped and it came back. And I, I remember just going, no. And um, so, yeah, when that happened, I remember I went to the person who actually, like, who got the word of knowledge. Because I hadn't gotten to him before. It was some random person that came up behind me and prayed for, like, put their hands on my ears and prayed. Um, so, yeah, I went up to him, and we were just standing outside the hotel. It was, like, probably around midnight. We had just gotten back. We are all tired. And he's like, okay, we're going to do this right now. I'll pray for, like, he prayed for probably, like, two minutes or less. Um, and, both, like, he prayed twice, and he asked me each time, is it better? And I was like, no, not really at the moment. <laughs> asked me again. I said, doesn't feel better at the moment, but I believe that it was going to be healed from there on. So I went to bed, woke up the next morning, it was gone. And then um, I just kept believing that it was going to be healed. If I ever felt that it was trying to come back, I just kept going, nope, I received my healing. And then uh, another day went by, and it popped like once for a short amount of time. And I, again, just said, nope. And me and my friends were like messing around and laughing and stuff. And it seemed like every time that we'd start just laughing, um, it would pop back and be better. Um, and then, yeah, after a few days, I noticed it hadn't popped. It hadn't done anything it shouldn't have. Um, and then more days went off on, and yeah, I was healed. <laughs> so yeah, the enemy tried to take it back. And, and yeah, so he might do that, but you just have to keep on believing that it is healed, keep on receiving the healing, instead of going, oh man, I wasn't healed, I was, you know, just high in the moment. <laughs> so yeah, I learned that from this trip for sure. It strengthened my faith a lot. <laughs> yeah. Did that answer your question? Yeah, that was good. No, thanks. That, that was actually really good. So let's just give it up for the team. So thank you. So we're actually going to be, um, be having some prayer at the end of the service too, but I just want to get into a bit of a message. So thanks guys for coming up and sharing, and um, that was awesome. Yes, they're gonna, we're going to call them forward in prayer, yes. Um, I'm going to grab this stand over here. So that is good, guys. Like, I mean, that last question, it was a little long-winded, but I really think that they took that question and they were able to answer what I was really trying to get at there. And, you know, there is differences when we talk about God moving in a place and, you know, um, yeah, that's fine. And, you know, he, he's not going to be tricked. Like, I mean, if, if we're not going to believe God for things, you know what I mean? Like, we shouldn't be expecting that there's going to be any form of healing. But if we're going to believe God, if we're going to say, God, I trust you, God, I want you to be my healer, 
then he's going to show up, amen? And so that's what he did in, those, um, in, in that place. Whichever way, you know, you want to you look at that, whichever way you want to, you know, deconstruct that, there's so many things that God is doing here on this earth. And I mean, you know, we came out of um, uh, some event, event that we had earlier this year, and it was called Encounter Jesus. There were a number of people that got healed there as well, too. And, you know, you guys mentioned something about an atmosphere. And so I want to just touch on that because it's so true that when you stir up God in a place, then when you're saying, okay, God, we want to come after you, and, and we're seeking after the truth that you are, and we want to have that experience inside this place, that you have an expectation and you have a fervency to want to see God do things. And so today, what I'm actually going to be sharing on is going to be sharing on the purified um, gospel, the purified word of God. And I want to bring up a couple things. I want to encourage actually the team. I want to encourage you guys um, just with taking those steps of faith. You know, we can get that fire on the inside of us and we can move in a really strong way. And then for those that are just kind of sitting there and going like, wow, you know, that is really cool to see God actually taking place inside of people's lives and healing those people. And he's using those individuals that were up here and I know them personally. It's like, you know, you heard them say like, yeah, we never really had a lot of these experiences where we were praying and we were seeing God doing. Hello? Oh, uh, doing all these. No battery's fine. Um, doing all these forms of, um, seeing all these forms of healing where God was using them. Guys, this is what happens when you get a hold of something that God has. When you're actually able to touch an element of who God is. And then you're able to see those experiences inside of people's hearts and minds. This is what we want to um, experience. We want to know those things that God is doing. And we want to, uh, you know, unravel those things and understand them and Understand them in our spirit, right? And know how, to, um, know how to move forward from that. And so this is just a challenge to just stay purified because, you know, you know, are we, you know are, we, are we seeing that truth? Are we open? Are our eyes open to see the word of God for what it is? And I really believe that when you guys were talking about even like the simplicity of the gospel, when you're talking about, you know, they're just open, there's this other sense of community, you know, they, they have this desire to just seek God for who he is. It's like, I believe that that's in a, in, in a closer proximity to like more of a um, understanding the gospel in a more of a purified way. It's like, you know, when you go to look through a, a piece of glass and you look through that glass and there's smears and all sorts of other things that get in the way. There's, you know, maybe ideas that we have, different assumptions that we have. And then you know, you go to look through that piece of glass, and, and it's, it's distorted, and the image is very um, tainted. And so what, what we want to do here today is just get out that Windex and start spraying that window and maybe wipe off some of this smudginess that's on, our, on the glass and just look at the gospel. And so let's turn to Matthew 15, 12 to 14. And it says, um, it says here, then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Jesus replied, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted, so ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. Okay, 
So we're talking about the purified gospel here. I want to bring out a couple things out of this verse. And when I look at Jesus, this guy was a man who was not afraid to speak up. And we live in North America. We live in a place called Canada. And, you know, um, I believe when I talked to Mustafa, right, who's um, from Turkey, uh, he says, you know, over here, everybody say sorry, sorry. Oh, sorry, 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 <laughs> sorry. You know, and it's like we're so um, quick to just make sure that we don't offend anybody. But look at this with Jesus. You know, the disciples come up to him. They're like all coming up to him. And they're like, you know, do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Like, we need to see something here that Jesus is not afraid of people's opinions. He's not afraid of that rejection, okay? He doesn't care, you know, about the rejection as much as he does what he was trying to do in that moment. And what we can see here is that he knew that they were blind guides leading the blind. He knew that they were not getting fed the right gospel. They were not getting fed the truth. And so when we see other people that are walking around and let's say you know that they're off course, right? And they're, and they're taking other people along with them. What are we doing in those moments? Are we saying that's acceptable and okay because, you know, we're going to have a form of tolerance? Or are we saying, no, we need to actually speak what we believe that truth is. That we need to say, this is who our God is. This is what we're standing for. And so in a lot of ways, that boldness that you guys were referencing, having that boldness to be able to speak up and say, like, God, you know, I want to serve you. And when you speak something or when your word needs to be upheld, that I'm going to speak that out into existence. And by doing that, you're actually, um, you're uncoupling the very ability that a blind person can lead another blind person because somebody is going to open their eyes. Somebody is going to, do you hear what I'm saying? Somebody is going to see the truth. Somebody's going to go, oh, wait a minute. My eyes are now open. I can see the truth, right? Like we heard people talking about how there were healings and God was moving in the midst and there's salvation and there's things happening. Are we opening our eyes to see this? Are we going to allow God to use these pockets, these moments where we see him touching and, and using people? Are we going to open our eyes to see something different? And are we going to challenge ourselves that even, you know, let's say we do have elements of truth inside of us. Are we going to challenge ourselves and saying, I'm not going to worry about the offense always of the other person, but I'm going to worry more about what it is that is being done in that place. So if you notice like somebody leading another person the wrong way and you don't agree with their opinion and the way that they do things, then you can challenge that because they were upset over the fact that, you know, Jesus, you know, he was talking about like the, the cup and, and washing the cup and, and the disciples are like, you know, asking him questions after he's like, you know, it's not about washing the cup that matters. It's about the inside. It's what comes out of your heart that matters. Those are the things that really matter to, to God. And so that's that blindness is that it's so tainted and it's just like looking through that glass. I can't see right through it and I can't understand it. But it's like when we understand that God wants to bring us into a place where we can see with our eyes, 
then, then we are starting to open our eyes to this new understanding. And so a purified gospel is one that's like you guys were saying, is bold. So that boldness that they experienced, like run with that. Like all of us here, run with that. But at the same time, those that went, run with that. Take that with you. Don't let the, um, the corruption and the things that we see even in Canada be something that, that holds you back. Don't let something that you experience and let those kinds of things be things that hold you back. Like we can be nice, kind individuals. Canadians can be nice and kind, but we don't have to be people that are compromising in who we are. We don't have to compromise our gospel. All right, so the next point I want to bring out is worries and wealth. Now, this is a really challenging one for us here in North America. So let's go to Matthew 13, 22. Um, and I'm not even just going to say North America. This was actually uh, preached out in the Middle East. So obviously they had, um, you know, they had uh, these kinds of problems as well too. So it's across the world, guys. You know, the enemy is moving in so many ways to try to stop all of us from receiving what God has. So Matthew 13:22 says, The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out, here it is, by the worries of this life. What are the worries of this life? What, what is a worry? Can someone give me an example of a worry of this life? Finances, yeah. Finances is a worry of this life. What other kinds of worries? Health, that's a good one, yeah. Our future, relationships, yeah. Those are worries, wow. So how many of us act on our worries? <laughs> How many of us are acting on our worries? And lure, and I'm preaching to myself. Don't think I'm like, you know, trying to be Jesus here. I'm letting you know that we're talking about the purified word of God. So we're challenging ourselves to take a step forward. And the lure of wealth. The lure of wealth. A lure. What is a lure? What, is that, what does that mean? To lure. What's that? like bait. That's right. Luring you in. So no fruit is produced. <gasps> no fruit. So no fruit is produced. That's challenging. The worries of this life, the lure of wealth, that's what weeds are. That's what weeds grow up inside of our heart alongside the word of God, the purified word of God. But it gets crowded out, right? Crowded out. Oh, what a painful moment, eh? Just, you're growing in the, in the word of the Lord. You're growing in God. You go for an experience. You, you receive something with, with such great, um, just power from God. He touches you in such a great way. And what happens? The worries of this life and the lure of wealth. <sighs> Start coming around the very essence of who God is in your heart. And you start, oh, well, maybe I'm just going to have to, you know, look at life a little differently. I thought I could understand the word of God just to be the pure word of God, but I, I can't see the word of God the same way anymore. And so, <clears throat> so these are real issues, guys. So purified word of God means that when we plant our seed, we don't allow those weeds to come up. 
We're not going to allow worries of this life. We're not going to allow the lure of wealth to be something that we get ensnared with, right? And so my challenge for the new one, or for the ones that are just, I mean, you're just ripping it with God on so many good ways, uh, going off to Brazil and just pouring your heart out to other people, being a servant to others, praying for them. Those people will thank you, I believe, you know, even in heaven when they can maybe talk that same language. So just remember that. Remember those things and know that, you know, there's lots of seeds that try to get in the ground, that tries to get in the soil of our heart. And so if we have those, those seeds that are in there that aren't supposed to be there, we need to uproot them. We need to get rid of them. Do you know that when we talk about the lures of wealth, okay, let's just talk about that for a second. Do you know that it says that the generous soul will be made rich? That the generous soul is made rich. Do you know that the very thing that the enemy tries to ensnare people when it comes to that lure of wealth is that, well, you have to have that. You have to have this. You, you know, this is a desire that you need to have. It's like, why? Why do we need to have that? What about, what about, what about flipping that and saying, what about that other person that needs that help? What about, what about thinking bigger? Like, we're in this great big family of God, and God is placing it on your heart to go and give to someone who needs something more than, than, uh, than you even understand. And, you know, if you were just a willing vessel to know that God is going to provide for you whenever you need it, that you could go and help that individual with what they need. And that in your soul, you can feel that generosity, you can feel that love that you can give and sow into a person, but then you can also trust and understand that the firm foundation that you stand on is his word, and his word does not return void. So when we decide to do things that are in alignment with his scripture, that he will prove himself faithful and true in, in who he is. How many of you guys know that you can have that purified word of God, that when you're actually dealing with these weeds, these worries of life, and all of these things that are on the inside of our spirit, do you know that you're actually getting crowded out from experiencing what life really means? What that fullness, what that, um, that joy, all of those experiences, that we're losing that. Every time you decide to let a weed continue to grow, and as you continue to mature, as we all continue to mature in our faith, what ends up happening is you decide to see weeds a little bit differently and you get a little bit more upset at them and you get a little bit more con confronting with them and you challenge them a little bit more because you know that this battle of the spirit that we deal with in ourselves is something that we need to contend with. That our faith is something that, that is not treated lightly and that we need to contend with our faith on the inside of who we are. So my challenge to you is to take those worries that have mustered up because the Holy Spirit is bringing those to mind and all of those lures of wealth and to say, God, I surrender those to you today. I give them over to you today because today is not going to be the same as tomorrow or as yesterday, sorry. And tomorrow is going to be even better. And the experience that I'm going to have is that I'm not going to have my, the word of God choked out and I'm going to sow into the word of God more. And I'm going to see the life come from that source. Amen? Amen. You know, I have never experienced a moment where I have had a spot where I've never had what I needed. 
And I'm not saying that lightly, and I'm not saying that because, you know, I'm trying to puff anything up around that. I'm just letting you know that when you take a faith approach, and you, you, you train, like even with my parents, they trained me when I was young, and they said, this is how you need to treat your finances. As a little guy, go up and put that in the bucket. Do you know that that's a seed that's sown? That seed that's sown is meant to produce a harvest inside of who I am. That's something that I get to live and get to experience. I get to experience not having those problems. Now, you might say, well, you're fortunate. You have different experiences that happen. I've been in times where I've bought a house and had no job. I've been in a moment where I've been, you know, even just recently with my wife and my son, where we had to start a business for my wife, starting a business. And I trusted God in the process because I was, li I was listening to the Spirit. And I believed God for that. I've turned down jobs that produce a huge paycheck in comparison with what he wants me to do. And the reason why that's important to highlight is because no matter what the circumstance is, he will be your provider. Would you rather have a life where your spirit is alive or would you rather have a life where you're able to grab onto and latch onto anything that you think in your own limited natural thinking can hold on to? That you can just, you know, have the comfort of being in control? Or would you rather let the Spirit of God give you a peace, an assurance on the inside, and you take a step and you walk in it? It's not easy. It's not like I don't have... Uh, seed that's planted that's, you know, not weed form. We all get it, right? And we get it in different ways. And the idea is not to focus on that. The idea is to focus on truth. The idea is to focus on Jesus. The idea is not to follow a blind person. The idea is to follow someone who has sight. And the only way we have sight is by following after him. Okay. And guys, guess what? I'm doing fine financially. I'm actually doing really good. I don't have problems. Amen. 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 Yes. And guess what? I'm more generous today than I was before. Amen. Yeah. Isn't that great? That's a great, that's a great duo, isn't it? When you can be generous, but then at the same time, you can be somebody who, you know, doesn't have that lack, doesn't have that, uh, that enemy coming in and ensnaring you. Okay, so, okay, guys, I don't know why I'm getting so fiery here. Um, okay, so, okay, so let me tell you something else. Um, <laughs> I want to bring up something else. I want to mention, okay, here's another thing. You, for those of you guys that know, like, I've, even, I've, I've started my own business, too. So my wife has a business, so I started my own business, right? Um, if I'm not already busy enough as it is. But here's the thing with that, right? Is I want you guys to know that, you know, you, I've never brought up any of this kind of stuff, like, you know, anything about my business, like any information about what it is or any of that stuff, like in, in any detail, in a, in a place like this. Why is that? Why would I not bring that up in a place like this, like in the house of the Lord? Why would I not bring that up? Why, why is that so important? 
Well, let's let the word of God answer that for us. <laughs> All right, so Matthew 21, 12 to 14. It says, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and um, the chairs of those selling doves. Man, whoa, what a mean guy, eh? This is a, this is a, this the, like, this is Jesus going savage, okay? Like, I mean, he did. He went savage here. All right, but let's, let's see. Let's see how he follows this up, okay? Because here's the thing. A lot of people look at the gospel and they say, you know, I, how, can, how can God be loving when, you know, when there's people that are dying in this earth? Or how can God be loving, you know, when there's, um, you, you know, when he, he killed people back in the Old Testament? There's, there's a whole explanation, which I'm not going to get into, but he is a loving God. And it's just because there's a complexity that you're not understanding. And there's a way to answer that question, but I'm not going to answer that because that's not the focus here. But I want to bring up what his next point is. And this is what he follows it up with because he is not an angry God. And he says here, he said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called house of prayer. So my house will be called a house of prayer. Do you know that Jesus was actually technically put into the position where he had the authority to do what he did? That he had the authority to get in, to go in there, and because he went down the, the pathway of being a rabbi and all of this, he went through the due process that was actually due in the customs back then. So he never stepped outside of his authority. And when he stepped into that authority and he went into that place, he used his authority perfectly. That's the difference. As he went in there, not soft-spoken, he's like, this is what needs to happen, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to see this temple be what it was supposed to be. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. We don't want to rob from God. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. So we're going to pray for people after the service today because you want to know what this place is. This place is, is his home. I don't set up shop in someone else's home, okay? That is not what we do. And sometimes I feel like the reason why, and I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but some people come to church because there's a crowd. And sometimes people want to get connected with individuals for a reason. And that reason isn't because they want to have the actual, um, they actually want to do what was supposed to be done in the house. The house is for prayer. They want to treat it like a den of thieves. They want to rob from the very person who wants to bring life and bring that, uh, that fullness to individuals. Because when we all come to his house, that's what he's producing inside of each one of us. That it says that the lame came um, to him in the temple and he healed them. And all of a sudden... What ended up happening was chaos after this moment. I don't want to read the whole thing because i got to keep everything short. Um, just, you know, we had some awesome stories from the ones from Brazil, and that was fantastic, and I would never take that away. Like, this is great. So I got to, you know, I want to I make this compliment all that, right? But here's the thing <clears throat> is we don't want to take this away from the Lord. We don't want to rob him from what he wants to produce. And when he healed those people, that the Pharisees who are used to 
okay? The ones who are the blind guys, all right? The blind guys. Those ones were upset, and they were flustered, and they were frustrated. But guess what? The people were shouting praises to God. So this whole experience, this whole type of stirring takes place where you have battling of experiences that were taking place here. One, following after Jesus and seeing the miraculous take place to the point where Jesus went in there with the full assurance in who he was, with the full understanding of the gospel, with being the word of God himself, walking into the temple and saying, now we're putting it in order. It's like going into your house and there's like a robber in the house. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to the robber? You're going you're gonna to say, okay, so you can have the back room and I'm going to have the rest of the rooms. Now let's negotiate this, right? No, he went in there, full authority, my house, out. Then he said, now I'm doing what I'm supposed to do in my house. Healing, 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 healing. And everything else, all the debris, the fallout from that whole atomic bomb that took place was all sorts of competing things that were going on, right? How many of you guys know that when we're talking about this purified word of God and we've got people who are going to pray for healing, amen? Because we're going to see healing here tonight. Um, can I get an amen? <laughs> you know, maybe I'm stirring something up. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not asking for anything, but I can let you know something. I want to stand behind the word of God, okay? And I want you to stand behind the word of God. Let's believe God to do great things tonight, amen? And let's take that step of faith. Let's take that purified approach. Let's take that simplicity Let's get out, uh, out all of the junk and let's focus on purifying ourselves. Are you guys receiving something here today? Or? Okay, I got a few more. <laughs> Maybe I get this from my dad, I don't know. He likes to stir things up a lot, I don't know. <laughs> you know, they say the olive doesn't fall far from the olive tree. That might be a situation there. Um, Okay, um, so let's go into John 6, 60 to 71. It says, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. Okay, so check this out, all right? Now we're going to talk about numbers, okay? Like look around the space here, right? We're in a really big, I'd say a big space in, you know, proportion to how many people are, are sitting in here. When we're upstairs, I love it because we're so close it's more intimate. I just, I really enjoy that, but, you know, like everybody's been saying, the heat, I mean, it's way better being down here um, in the summer. But, um, so here's the thing. Let's just read the scripture and I'll, I'll go into it. Okay, so John 6, 60 to 71. Many of his, of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he was talking about the flesh, you know, eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, all this kind of stuff. And it was a really hard message at the time, okay? So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascending to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. 
And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So that hardness was spirit and life. Okay. Um, but some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives, me, gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus said, I chose the twelve of you, but one is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the twelve who would later betray him. All right. This is a tough one, guys. Like, when you look around in the church body and you see what you see, know that Jesus relates with that. Know that Jesus understands that people walk away. It's that you have to believe that God is calling ones to him and that those experiences are going to continue to take place, that God is who he says he is, that God remains faithful and true, that God honors all the ones that come and follow after him. And don't get caught up in the, the picturesque moment of having thousands upon thousands of people that are going to come and hear everything that I have to say. It's not like that. That's not the gospel. That's not what God did. He does have pockets of time when people come. And there were thousands upon thousands of people that all came and they all were praising him and, and, and giving all glory to him and all of those things. But there were times when he was deserted and left stranded and abandoned and completely isolated and alone and only a few people that were around him. And those people that were around him were able to hold on to that word of God because, like he said, God had given them to him. So when you have moments, and this is even for, for these youth when you have moments where friends and people don't get what you have that you have received on the inside, do not let that be a deterrent to grow in the word of the Lord. Know that there are brothers and sisters and many men and women who've gone before you who are excited and anticipating to know who you are. Do not get discouraged. Grow strong in the Lord. You will have pockets of time where you will have desertedness happening in your life. You will be separated. You will be ostracized. You will maybe be imprisoned for what you had done. But you need to know that no matter what you do, that if you remain true and faithful to the word of God, to remain faithful and true to Jesus Christ, that you will remain to the end. And you will experience the fullness that he has for an abundance for you. And the part that I want to break off in the way that we framework the church in this modern era is it's not meant to be something that needs to be flashed and shined all over social media and all over everything and having a thousand likes. You don't need it. Here's the thing. Jesus looked average. He was an average individual. Do I look average? <laughs> Maybe a little uh, 
I don't know. I'll let you go there with your imaginations, okay? <laughs> um, what's that? <laughs> and with the gospel and the way that we're talking about this, I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so Jesus looked average, all right? What does that mean? What does that mean? Here's the thing. You have the God who created all of existence. Let's use deductive reasoning. Let's, let's, be, uh, let's be a detective here, all right? The God who created all of existence, he has any ability to create any form that he wants to do. He, is, he can do whatever he wants. He has any way to produce himself inside of humanity. He could do whatever he wants. And the way that he decided to come and to talk to me and you was to be an average-looking individual. Why? This is the God who created the entire existence. Do you under, like, are you hearing me for a second here? Like, the God who made all of humanity, all of the stars, the planets, Earth, everything you could see around you, all of the angels, everything from the beginning to the end, this guy came down looked average, dejected by humanity. Every one of his disciples abandoned him. Guys, he didn't need a shiny shoe. He didn't need a shiny shoe. When you are everything, you don't need a shiny shoe. Jesus is every source of everything that we need for our lives. Not only is he every source, that he wanted something way more profound. And here is a wonderful passage of what Jesus was speaking to just bring into a summary all of these points to hopefully bring some context to how Jesus thinks. These are Jesus' words. I'm not going to mince it, all right? So John 15, 1 to 27, we're going to read this chapter. It says, this is Jesus. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. So our lives in the earlier scriptures that we talked about were meant to produce fruit, Right? And he's saying here that that's his intended purpose. He'll prune us or we're chopped off. It says, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitless unless you remain, or sorry, fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a, like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Guys, 
are you seeing a picture here? Are you seeing something that's going on? You see all of this, this grappling and this battle and this wrestling that's going on with humanity and the creator of the universe while he's walking on the earth. He's wanting a purified gospel. He's not going to water it down. Look at how many churches there are in existence today. Look at what he's producing today. Look at how many people are doing what he was doing on the earth today. Look at what he wants to do. He wants to remain in us and us to remain in him. That's not, that's not somebody who hates. He wants us to be close with him. He wants us to experience who he truly is. He knows that we're actually quite lost if we don't have him. And so when he says that you're going to wither away, it's your own demise is going to make you wither away. You were made to be a creation to know a creator. You can't have creation without creator. So you will wither away because creator knows the existence of creation and creator provides purpose for creation. So this brings great glory to my father. I have loved you. There's that love. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with what? Sorrow? No, with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Overflow. A joy that overflows. A joy that overflows. We have some experiences where different ones were chuckling and laughing as we were pressing for healing for the ear, right? And in that whole process, there was joy. In that whole process, there was a complete healing. Amen. That's a great experience. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. I no longer call you slaves. Guys, if we could understand this. And I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. Guys, like an average-looking man doesn't put on any show and says, you can come after me if you want. You can come after and experience who I am. And you can have a closeness that you've never experienced in your entire lives. Like, just something that you would never, like, something we just couldn't even fathom in our own heads. Like, what an awesome God to be able to allow us the opportunity for that. Like, what a wonderful, precious Savior who wants to come in and encounter us in such a great way. Okay, so you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my commandment. Love each other. If the world hates you, Remember that it hated me first. That's that full circle again, guys. We will have experiences of hatred 
that's part of the package. Um, I know, but I, I didn't put it in there that way. Um, okay. But now that um, they would not be guilty. Okay, sorry, sorry, let me go back. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will, they will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what was written in the scripture. They hated me without cause, but I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what was moving in Brazil, was the Holy Spirit. So we're going to have the, uh, we're going to have the different ones um, come up that were um, from the, the trip to Brazil. And what I want you guys to do here, I don't know if we can get the worship team up as well too, just to get some, some music going, um, is it's a twofold. One, um, the experience of God is going to come into this place, whether you want to experience it or not, because the reality is that we're stirring up something, and the stirring up that we're doing is we're going to stir up who God is in this place, because this is his house, and that when we have people that are here to minister, when we have people that are actually believing and seeing transformations taking place inside of people's lives, that we want to tap into some more of that, amen? And so this is an opportunity. This is an invitation for you. If you have any pain in your body, if you have anything that you are feeling out of sorts with, if you're needing God to touch you in any way or deliverance or the, the like, we want to open up this place because today is a place of prayer. Today is a place for us to be able to encounter who God is. And we're going to have the young ones who have been tapping into a purified gospel. Amen? And we're going to step into what God has because God is not a respecter of person. God will use anyone who calls on his name. God will use anyone who believes in his scripture. And God is using those four people here tonight. And he is going to pray and they're going to come up here and pray and just be willing and open to experience who God is here in this house here tonight. Amen? Because there is something wonderful that we can encounter with Jesus. And we're going to have the worship going, and we're going to experience God and his presence. And if you need to open up your heart to something new, if you need to be able to allow God to rip out things that have been mustering up on the inside, that you know have been distorting the true gospel, don't be ashamed. The devil will want to keep you in your seat. The devil will want to keep you defeated. Don't feel like you have to come up to prove yourself either. You ask the Spirit of God, what do you want to do? And in boldness, take a step towards what he's asking you to do. If he's asking you to come up and to get prayed for and get your hands laid on, then you come up. Let him touch you. 
because it's him that's moving through people. So let God do the work. And if you're experiencing things that you need to let go and you need to have God uh, be destroyed out of your life, don't just stand and be like, oh, okay. Like, lay it down at the altar. Do it whichever way you feel that God is leading you to do. If you want to come up and lay it down at the altar, lay it down at the altar. If you want to stay in your seat and give it to God, then give it to God. Know that when you do whatever action you feel in your spirit to do, that you're doing it before the Lord. And that that is something that you've committed to. Don't let the enemy try to thwart out anything that you're doing here tonight. Don't worry about how many people are in this room. Don't worry about the person that's beside you. You have something to pay attention to in yourself. The disciples, all of them had to, had to contend with something in themselves. They had their, their friends and their loved ones go away. They walked away. You are standing before the Lord on your own. Don't let anything hold you back from what you want to experience in God. So we're just going to open it up for some time of prayer. And let's just have um, some worship going. Some and If we could all just stand, let's just give glory and honor to God. At least if we just do that, I know that. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc. Thank you.